It's May 16th, 2022, and this is the Watson Weekly, your essential e-commerce digest. Today on our show, Instacart files for a confidential IPO after reducing its valuation. Amazon shuts down its sales acquisition with recent launch of Buy With Pride. Shopify moves into the advertising space with the launch of Shopify audiences. And Amazon launches the last mile rural delivery program with independent convenience stores. And finally, the Investor Minute, which contains two items this week from the world of venture capital, acquisitions, and IPOs. But first, in our shopping cart full of news, Instacart files for a confidential IPO after reducing its valuation. It's difficult to follow the Instacart bouncing ball. In short, the company is troubled. It really went from a perfect storm of growth where people couldn't visit stores in person to a perfect storm of inflation where the company is affected by its workers and groceries ever rising costs. The transition from the founder to Fiji Simo was questionable in even the kindest of interpretations after a series of missteps with the misuse of VC funds, IP patent grabs, and failed acquisitions. Meanwhile, Walmart is executing quite well in online grocery. Target continues its investment in grocery as well. And chains like Kroger and Albertsons continue to grow their digital capabilities, even if it's been a winding road for them as well. In November 2020, Goldman was reported to be tapped for an IPO at a $30 billion valuation. That never materialized. In November 2021, Fiji Simo said they aren't going public now. Instead, maybe next year or later. Just recently in March 2022, Fiji Simo said, we aren't going public now, we are building the company. And, oh hi there, did I mention that they recently cut their valuation to $24 billion from $39 billion? Instacart now says it has a billion dollars in cash on hand. In May 2022 now, Instacart confidentially files for its IPO. Why file confidentially? Ultimately, it gives the company more flexibility because there is no set date for an IPO, and it keeps the company's financials under wraps from the competition and the press, particularly if there is some bad news hidden in there. And it still gives financial analysts several weeks before the IPO to evaluate the financials publicly. But why file at all is the question. The short answer is shareholders are getting restless and Fiji Simo may likely exit the business shortly thereafter. She would hire it as a good name to clean up the issues from the founder previously, but as an ad exec, she is not enough grocery operator to lead the company to the future. Another possible answer is the company says it doesn't need any money, which is pretty much exactly what you're supposed to say if you actually need money and you hope that you can grab the money that's there now before the company's valuation decreases even further. It is possible that the company gets acquired, but I would say that the valuation needs to go down further from that, and who are the targets for the acquisition? My bet really would be on Walmart. It's possible that Walmart could use Instacart to strengthen its go-local offering while at the same time increasing its advertising leverage. Our second story. Amazon shuts down its sales acquisition with recent launch of Buy With Prime. GeekWire learned that Amazon is shutting down sales, an e-commerce platform it acquired last year based in Australia, as its employees are now focused on Buy With Prime. Indeed, no new signups are now happening on sales, and merchants will have 60 days' notice to find new platforms. First, ouch, that's a short amount of time. There are not many merchants, I'm sure, there, but... Second... If Amazon was going to use sales as a foundation for anything, they surely would have at least kept those small amount of merchants, right? In the past few years, Amazon has acquired a few different e-commerce companies around the world, 
Vico, Cells, and Purpool. It seems primarily for aqua hire purposes. Amazon often likes to put existing employees in a new area even if they have no experience there, but after some fumbling with their store strategy, their approach changed to bring in some outsiders with a vision for e-commerce. It was thought that Amazon was planning to reintroduce its own e-commerce platform, but perhaps Amazon has decided that the best e-commerce platform is, quote, all of them, and Buy With Prime is the initiative that they will put all their effort behind, focusing instead on partnerships with platforms like BigCommerce, WooCommerce, etc. It's a bit of a risky play, essentially that the value of the services in Prime will be enough for merchants to pull this into their ecosystem rather than having control over your own distribution and your own e-com platform. We've seen a lot of companies recently stumble that didn't control the distribution channel for their own products. Amazon needed off Amazon Prime to be successful first, so I agree with their prioritization here, and it doesn't necessarily rule out building an e-commerce platform later on. As Amazon shown in the past, that's actually a two-way door decision. Our third story. Shopify moves into the advertising space with the launch of Shopify audiences. Shopify just released its audiences feature designed to help its merchants find new customers more efficiently. Here's what it does. It allows you to select a product and build an audience around it, which is then submitted to Facebook from aggregated Shopify data from other stores, not your own, that are opted in. Your own customer data is not sent. This data is then sent to Facebook's targeting algorithm, which then matches to an audience which is used to display the right ad, which then drops the user on a landing page, which is obviously supposed to then lead to a conversion. Now keep in mind, Facebook's targeting has pretty much been crippled and has become hot garbage due to the tracking data Apple is allowing them to get. If Facebook is unable to classify users' behavior properly and match them to the right audience, this isn't going to help a whole lot, perhaps it marginally. Overall, my response is a little mad on this. Overall, I'm a little bit nonplussed at this and can't believe how late this feature is. Two to three years ago, peak Facebook? This would have been a good idea. Now, it feels a little too late and I'm left with more questions than answers. The message Shopify is sending here is that we think you should be doing more media buying rather than trying to get more organic reach. There's still a lot of merchants can get wrong in their conversion funnel that's unrelated to which audience it gets matched to. In particular, most landing pages are pretty terrible. Many ad units are pretty terrible too. How is Shopify helping merchants diagnose what's happening in their marketing funnel? I'm left with more questions than answers here. I would rather see Shopify instead focus on a few important areas related to advertising. In particular, how a growing brand can cut out media buying. Shopify should be pushing toward cutting out media buying in certain situations altogether by creating an advertising network out of the huge number of web pages it controls. To do this, it would need to acquire or build an advertising exchange. That would be unique and interesting. Improving Shopify SEO to me is another big one. Compared to, say, WooCommerce and BigCommerce, I would say that Shopify has less flexibility here. Also, how good is Shopify going to be at understanding user intent across its merchant base? That still remains to be seen. Also, from the instructions, you select a product one at a time to do this. This means if you have a few products in your store, maybe it's useful. But hundreds or thousands? It's really unclear. I would also love to see features in Shopify that make it easier to merchants to do daily storytelling through imagery and video. That's the core what I'm on for Shopify for, right? And the softer side of me thinks that this is the start of a journey. We should wait and see the impact of this in the wild and what Shopify has in store over time. But in the short term, I'm not convinced that this feature in particular is going to be a step change in what anyone's business who is likely to be struggling with profitability more than anything at the moment.
And our last story. Amazon launches last mile rural delivery program with independent convenience stores. Fox had an interesting article yesterday about how Amazon was trying to make inroads in the rural delivery market using a different model than it's tried for more dense areas. Let's review the facts. There are about 31,000 post offices in the United States, yet there are something like 2,000 FedEx office and 5,000 UPS stores. That means there's a large gap in network coverage within 10 miles of final delivery stations for most delivery carriers. Amazon is looking at paying mom-and-pop shops something like $2.50 to $3.50 a package to deliver something like 600 to 800 packages weekly. Amazon is not able to replicate its delivery service partner program in these rural areas due to a lack of demand it's not a big enough opportunity. Instead, they plan to use Slack in existing stores and perhaps throw some of these independent businesses a lifeline at the same time. My thoughts? On LinkedIn, other Watsonians have pointed out that this is exactly Amazon's playbook in rural India where the delivery infrastructure is not great, so they're following a known playbook. This shows that Amazon is thinking on the right scale. There are about 150,000 convenience stores in the United States, most of which are independent and not chains. It means that this could theoretically work for the scale. This is also straight out of the Amazon playbook of not owning things, i.e. more flexible than building 20,000 delivery stations themselves, which is similar to the shipping DSP program. And assuming the price is right per parcel, it could be a win-win for both sides. If Amazon could pull this off, they could become the de facto nationwide delivery partner if the U.S. is not able to modernize its infrastructure, which all signs point to no. I might even predict that within the next three to five years, you can see a partnership between the UPS and Amazon for Amazon's last mile delivery in somewhat of a twist of fate. It's that time, friends, for our Investor Minute. We have two items on the menu today. First, cross-border service provider ESW to acquire e-commerce platform ScaleFast. ESW has traditionally been the leader in the enterprise segment of cross-border e-commerce with customers like Nike to Victoria's Secret. The other big players in the space are really Global E and Farfetch. This is a good fit for them as they lack their own e-commerce platform offering. Second, supply chain startup Stored reaches 1.3 billion valuation with new investment. While I've never worked with Stored personally, the company looks like a hybrid of an asset light and an asset heavy approach, almost a cross between Deliver and ShipBob. I'm not surprised that there continues to be heavy investment in the supply chain space as there's still room for quite a bit of innovation here. With a declining market, I see consolidation more in our future than continued growth in warehouse space. And what must be a sign of the times, there seems like fewer IPOs this year so far and somewhat slowing investments, so this is a smaller segment than the normal week. That's all for this week. Till next time, Watsonians. Hi, I'm Rick Watson, CEO and founder of RMW Commerce Consulting and host of the Watson Weekly Podcast, your essential e-commerce digest. Our show is produced by Citizen Racecar. Alex Brower is the producer and also wrote our theme music. The executive producer is David Hoffman. To hear new episodes of the show every Monday morning, subscribe now at rmwcommerce.com slash Watson Weekly and wherever you get your podcasts.